Anxiety is an issue that confronts and challenges literally millions of people around the world. In fact, the latest research suggests that somewhere in the region of 3 million people in the UK suffer from anxiety, with an estimated 300 million plus people from around the world suffering from some form of anxiety and or what are known as panic attacks. Those people who've never suffered from anxiety could be forgiven for reaching the conclusion that anxiety affects people with a perceived weaker mindset and mentality. Now this was once a very naive perspective that I had on this subject, but the reality is that nothing could be further from the truth. Anxiety can rear its head literally anytime and anywhere. A person may be having what feels like a completely normal day, only for an anxiety attack to set in. This type of anxiety attack can be incredibly frightening and as a consequence, thousands of people visit their local hospital casualty department because they fear they're dying. Symptoms of anxiety or panic attacks can include extreme dizziness, disorientation, heart palpitations, chest pains, irrational sickness and, in extreme cases, people can faint and black out completely from an anxiety or a panic attack. Now, when this sort of panic attack occurs, many people inaccurately conclude they're having a stroke or a heart attack. The sensations and the symptoms of the pain are so very real and, as a consequence, hugely frightening. To help address this ailment, there are literally dozens of books that have been written over the years on the condition of anxiety and how it can be treated. Now, I would say that in extreme cases, anyone suffering from severe anxiety would be best advising a doctor, qualified medical practitioner and expert in the field. It's always safer to get proper tests done in order to rule out anything more sinister. These tests might include things such as blood pressure tests, sugar levels, ECG heart tests, cholesterol tests, and things of that nature. Now, this podcast is designed to help people who've been diagnosed as having had some sort of anxiety or panic attack and who wish to manage their lives in a way that can see these attacks being either dramatically reduced or completely eliminated. So I record this podcast because of my own personal experience. Let me give you a little bit of a background. So for over 20 years now, I've operated in high-level business, and for the last 11 years, my own business in the marketing arena. During this time, I've worked as a contractor, a consultant for some household name brands. I've also worked on a variety of my own projects and have been on the public speaking circuit, delivering presentations around the UK and other parts of the world on the subject of marketing and business development. This has seen me speaking in front of audiences of hundreds of people. Historically, I've never suffered from more than just healthy adrenaline and probably the tiniest respectful nerves that always come when you're addressing a large audience, the feeling of slight self-consciousness. Now, my first anxiety attack occurred completely out of the blue. It was a typically busy Friday morning, and I was having a meeting at a hotel with a gentleman who needed some advice around a potential business venture. And I was meeting him as a favour. This is something that I've done so many times over the years and continue to do, as I've always believed in being a giving type of character. The K in Thelcom is for kindness, and this morning it was me doing some kindness and trying to help someone. 
So on the morning in question, I left home without having had any breakfast, in a bit of a hurry, if I'm honest. When I joined the meeting, I was drinking a large, strong, white American coffee. The meeting was very relaxed, and I was working through my usual methodology for finding out about the client's business plans and their associated marketing strategy. Now, right out of the blue, I developed what I can only describe as an incredibly lightheaded feeling. Now, my first instinct was this was probably because of the coffee, because I've had sensations similar with coffee before when I had three or four. But on this occasion, I didn't feel that was the case. Now, my lightheaded feeling was not accompanied with anything like hot flushes or chest pains. But I do remember feeling as if I was going to pass out, I was going to faint. I felt extremely lightheaded and disorientated. So I quickly made my apologies and said I needed to go and grab some fresh air. Stood outside for less than a minute, took a few deep breaths. And because I felt embarrassed, I quickly went back into the hotel where I immediately began to feel strange again. This time I asked my friend to come and stand outside with me and he duly obliged. Now at this point I felt strange and frightened. This was especially worrying because apart from my usual frantic schedule, I'd felt completely normal. I'd had no feelings of pain or discomfort of any type. So as I stood outside trying to gather my calm, I rang my wife, told her about my experience and explained she needed to come and get me that I wanted to go to the hospital and get myself checked out. I wasn't going to try and drive myself after that experience. So we got to the hospital and they did all the usual checks. The first thing they did was take my blood sugar level pretty much on arrival and that was normal. They took my blood pressure. Now this ranked as a bit higher, but the nurse put that down to the fact that I was probably frightened about my experience and this had caused my blood pressure to peak. I sat in the hospital for a couple of hours before finally seeing a doctor who took me through a series of tests. They checked my vision, my body movements, my coordination, eliminating things such as strokes or heart attacks, and they eventually said all was fine and I should go home and get some rest and make an appointment to go and see my GP to have further precautionary tests. So a few days later I went to see my GP, he asked me to describe what had happened. Of course, he took my blood pressure again. Once again, it was a little high, but nothing out of the ordinary. He organised for me to wear a 24-hour blood pressure monitor and also to have an ECG. Both of these came back with no concerns, and my doctor concluded that what I'd experienced is what he described as an anxiety attack. Now, being a logical type of person that I am, I respectfully challenged this opinion and said that the meeting I had in Sheffield had no stress around it, and so, why would I have had an anxiety attack? I also explained that I'm not, I'm not of a nervous disposition, I'm quite a confident person, and that I've delivered public speeches in front of hundreds of people with no trace of big nerves, anxiety, or panic attacks. The doctor paused and smiled and confirmed that he was also a lecturer, a public speaker, but that he also suffered from anxiety, and that the experience that I'd had was pretty much identical to experiences that he'd felt and experienced over the years. I respected the opinion of the doctor, of course, but I scratched my head in the conclusion he'd reached. This did not feel like I imagined an anxiety or a panic attack would feel. As I left the doctors, I couldn't get the feeling out of my head. It was such an unpleasant feeling. I didn't want the feeling of disorientation to be re repeated. But quite bizarrely, the next morning when I was cleaning my teeth, the same sensation started to come over me. 
On this occasion, I quickly walked downstairs and I just felt the need to go outside. I was frightened and the fresh air and being outside simply seems to help. Now I accept that my experience were anxiety attacks. The research that I've done since has uncovered literally dozens of people who describe almost exactly the same experience as the one I had. And so this is where I revert to type. I've never been a fan of taking any type of medication, and this was not the path that I wanted to go down with this condition. So I didn't take any medication. In the weeks that followed, I commenced reading books from the likes of Dr. Matt Lewis, who's an expert on anxiety, and listening to podcasts from the superb people at Anxiety Slayer, which you should check out their podcast. I can certainly recommend you take a listen to lots of what they've produced. The two ladies behind Anxiety Slayer are actually very good. Over the course of the last two years, I've tested various different methods and I've virtually eliminated my own anxiety. From time to time, I still get incredibly unpleasant feelings, but I've now concluded and rationalized what's causing them, what's happening, and I'm able to remain calm through the feelings and the sensations that occur if I'm having what feels like an anxiety experience. I've even been in serious business meetings and felt the sensation coming over me, and I've now developed a way to quickly suppress the feeling and urge to go outside to take in fresh air. So the remainder of this podcast is designed to help people like me, people who've had the same experience. I have a very high level of confidence. If you follow some of the methods that I'm going to share with you in the remainder of this podcast, you have a very strong chance of completely eradicating your anxiety, or at the very least, minimizing its negative impact on your life. The first thing that I would like to declare is what I feel the main cause of anxiety is amongst busy business people like me. Different people describe different life circumstances and the influences that cause them to feel anxious. I believe that one of the main causes of anxiety is the inability of a person to manage their thoughts in a simple way. In my experience, what happened to me was a culmination of balancing more than a dozen projects at the same time with the stress of being a father to two young children and to a wife who was recovering from a life-threatening cervical cancer. Little did I realize that I probably wasn't as strong enough and able to cope, unaffected as I thought. So here is what my research and my own personal experiments have uncovered. These are the things that I've tried. Now, these are now habits. These are things that are embedded into my life. Action number one. My first recommendation is that you become a prolific user of a diary or a journal. Nowadays, I write down most of the projects, tasks, and pressing personal commitments that I have. I'm so busy, I've realized I cannot simply rely upon my brain to keep track of so many different responsibilities. The art of writing things down so that you have a simple method of evaluating, rationalizing, and prioritizing your workload, your personal work commitments, is hugely beneficial. The simple task of making lists and putting the tasks on that list into order of priority, where you have taken consideration of the skills you need, the time and the potential deadlines involved, is an incredibly beneficial practice and habit for you to get into. I believe that an organized mind, a mind that has evaluated everything and has written those things down, is far less likely to suffer from the overload caused by too many thoughts washing around inside your head over and over again. 
people who do not write things down are most probably using their own brain's mental capacity to keep track of everything. The actual art of writing down causes you to think clearer, to plan your day better, to be better organised and to be more disciplined. And it means you'll not find yourself mulling over the tasks like your brain stuck on repeat. Your tasks are written down and you can refer to them whenever you need to. Action number two. As I reflect on my own circumstances and examine some of the habits that I've gotten myself into prior to my first anxiety attack, I realised that my eating regime was very poor and lacked any type of consistency. For example, I would rarely have any type of breakfast. I drank far too little and would literally rush around. From the moment I opened my eyes, my days would involve me having a quick shower, getting dressed and dashing off to the office for my various meetings, conference calls and my other commitments to be delivered against. My morning routine now is much slower. I'm in no hurry to get to the office. My mindset is one of taking my time and removing the feeling of the need to rush. Every morning I eat at least one banana, and various research sources suggest that bananas can help with a reduction in anxiety. Go away and Google that if you want to find out and check that one out more. In addition to this, every morning I drink around 20 mil, which is about four teaspoons of pure Arctic fish oil. Now, over the years I've used a few brands, but I prefer the Equology brand. It's one of my favourites, and if you watch videos on Equology, you'll see why. Now, don't run away with the idea that cod liver oil or fish oil tastes foul because the Equology brand tastes very similar to the type of dressing that you'd put on a salad. It's not unpleasant to taste at all. Most good nutritionists would tell you that the body of a typical human being cannot get enough omega-3 from food. Omega-3 is one of the few supplements that scientific evidence proves is efficient and useful for the body. Now, I'm no doctor, and I'm not going to get into the medical benefits. All I will say is that what I've read suggests that the body's cells are more flexible and the blood is healthier with the right amount of omega-3. There are all sorts of other scientific studies that refer to omega-3 helping reduce the chance of heart attacks, helping reduce the chance of dementia and Alzheimer's, and actually helping people to live typically up to 10 years longer. Who doesn't like the thoughts of all those benefits? But go away and do your own research on Omega-3. There's lots of it out there. And the brand I use is Equology. But basically what you want is pure Arctic fish oil. And there are different brands that you can get on Amazon. Action number three. I found the joys of meditation. Now some people that I know from my younger years will probably laugh to think of David Lilly doing meditation. But I do. At this point in time, I enjoy what are called guided meditations. and Many of these can be found on YouTube. You do need to sit somewhere quiet as you lay and listen to them. They're typically up to an hour long, but can be as short as 15 minutes. And they do really help the body relax and quieten the mind. Now, in addition to the guided meditation, I'm also a fan of sitting somewhere in nature to watch a spectacular countryside or near a lake or a pond or near the sea to watch it dance in its unique rhythms in a coastal area. All of these techniques help to quieten the mind and put things into perspective and stop all sorts of thoughts whizzing through and overrunning your mind like a computer would. Action number four. Now, the other aspect that I researched and found to help with anxiety is considered breathing. Now, I found this fascinating. I've uncovered lots of research that show 
how what's known as shallow breathing can be a major contributing cause to anxiety. As I studied my own breathing, I realized that I'd become a predominantly shallow breather. Now, a shallow breather is someone who breathes, takes very short breaths from the throat and the chest, and not deep down from the tummy, someone who's not expanding their lungs. And I'm sure you want to research this yourself, so you should Google shallow breathing anxiety, and you'll get the search returns that I found. The simple remedy is to have three or four occasions throughout the day where you spend three or four minutes really concentrating on your breathing and taking deep breaths. There are a variety of techniques that you can use, and there are breathing coach experts out there, one lady called Jan Tilly. The techniques that work for me, one is called 478, and my own version, which I call 437. Now, the numbers simply indicate the amount of time that you need to inhale and breathe through your nose. The second digit explains how long you need to hold that breath for, and the third digit explains how long you need to exhale, in other words, breathe out, through pursed lips. So so that this makes sense for you, my favorite method, which is my 437 method, sees me breathing in for four seconds, holding that breath for three seconds, and then breathing out through pursed lips, in other words, blowing through my lips, which are pushed together, for seven seconds. I've found it's best to ensure that you are inhaling through your nose, and exhaling through pursed lips. Now, I found this simple technique on its own to be a massive eliminator of the feelings of anxiety that I get. If I do these exercises, I just don't get the feelings of anxiety. So if I do have a day where I have a lightheaded feeling, I immediately concentrate on my breathing. If I have a day when my heart feels a bit fluttery, I concentrate on my breathing. So in recent months, deep breathing, concentrated and considered, has become a daily part of my routine. And I've even now set an alarm for three or four times during the day and the alarm comes on and it just says breathing. And it reminds me in amongst a busy day that I need to be conscious of my breathing. Action number five, exercise. Now, I know some people will be listening to this point in the podcast with dread. But let me tell you that the body was designed and created to be moved and not sit in an armchair all day, to be laid on the sofa scanning the internet or watching things on Netflix. Nowadays, I've got myself into the habit of walking approximately four miles a day. A lot of the time, I use this walking opportunity to listen to inspirational, educational podcasts so the walks are not boring or monotonous. Wherever possible, I try to walk in nature, along country lanes, through the woods and countryside fields, and as close to water as I possibly can. As I'm walking, I try to be conscious of my breathing. I take as many long, deep breaths as possible. I also try to pause somewhere on the walk, sit down and take in countryside views. One of the little games I play is to take a picture with my smartphone of the most beautiful things that I see on the days of my walk. And some of these walks are just truly magical, especially early in the morning when the sun is rising or later in the evening when the sun is setting and the skies are these magical different colours. Those people who follow me on Facebook will see me taking lots of pictures of beautiful things. The atmosphere always feels different. I love to hear the birds singing. Just taking time to be conscious of the beauty that surrounds us helps to calm the mind. Some people would prefer to get their exercise in the gym. That's okay. I have a small fitness room in my garden, which has got all the essential equipment. And when the weather turns too cold and icy, I would probably prefer to go and get half an hour or 40 minutes worth of exercise in my fitness room than walk in the cold, particularly a man with no hair. You need a hat, and walking in the cold is not always so pleasant. 
So move the body is action number five. Action number six, again, this may seem like a small thing, but those people who've got jobs that include sitting at a PC all day and find themselves not moving, this can create tension in the neck. So several times throughout the day, I just take 30 seconds or a minute to rotate my head from side to side, doing this gently so as not to cause strain or crick my neck. If you do that for about 30 seconds to a minute, you'll find the tension starts to erode and you'll find you can twist your neck further around. But try it. Action number seven. Now, once again, this is more suited to people who have a sedentary life or a sedentary job. In other words, who are not moving much because of the type of work that they do. There are days when I'm literally pinned to my desk working on video editing, writing articles, helping people with business plans, taking part in conference calls creating magazines and it's very easy to get absorbed in this type of work and not to get up and move i make a habit spending several minutes every hour if i can moving around now drinking lots of water helps because it means that you need regular toilet breaks now not only is this good for the body but it also gives your eyes a break from the bright screens of a modern computer action number eight i am now determined in my efforts to try and drink around two litres of water a day. Now, in the same way the body needs oxygen and breathing is important, we also need water. Water contributes to the essential smooth functions of our body's organs, and there are a huge number of people who simply don't drink anywhere near enough water. Now, of course, it's sensible to drink good quality water, and not straight from the tap, where the water is full of fluoride. The simple way to get clean drinking water is to boil the kettle at night, and place that boiling water in a jug in the fridge with a slice of lemon to add some alkalinity back to the water. I also drink tea and coffee throughout the day, although I do believe that strong coffee can be a contributor towards a feeling of agitation and anxiety, and some people say it triggers it. It's certainly something i felt in the past, and so whilst I do now take coffee, I try to limit it to no more than a couple of cups a day. In recent years, I've become a huge fan of some of the fruit teas that are out there, specifically mint tea or fresh mint tea, vanilla-flavoured teas, and, of course, chamomile tea is renowned for its calming qualities, especially if you're drinking it late at night before bed. Action number nine, purchase some lavender oil. There are lots of essential oils out there, but my personal favourite for calming is lavender oil. Have a little bit of it on your pillow, place a drop or two of it in your bath water, and if you have an oil diffuser in the house, which you can buy from places like Tesco's for as little as £5, and burn some lavender oil. In the winter months, I take regular warm baths in the candlelight with a little lavender in the water. And this is just bliss. Helps me feel relaxed. The smell, the aroma, the candlelight, the calming of the body is really important. Now, the tenth action is to make sure you do some of the things that I've outlined in the other nine actions as a form of habit. Now, most of the things that I recommend are incredibly simple to do. They're not difficult habits to form. They're not asking you to do anything especially challenging. Some of you may find getting the regular exercise difficult, but everything else is easy to do. I find that when I'm really disciplined and I ensure these habits are being demonstrated on a regular basis, I feel fit, healthy, energized, and in total control of my workload. On the occasions when I find myself getting sucked into running around like a crazy fool, 
not respecting my body, not planning my day, not taking time out for myself. It's no surprise that the feeling of tightness in the head and what I call brain fog starts to reappear and the symptoms of anxiety begin to take over. As you listen to this podcast and some of the things I've recommended, I would encourage you to go away and do your own Google research on some of the points that I've made. You'll find lots of evidence and feedback from other people who are enjoying really positive experiences from adopting some of the habits that I've described in this podcast. Those people who are suffering from anxiety but who choose to do nothing about it will not suppress their anxiety. They'll keep getting panic attacks and will continue to feel just the way they are now. It's a very true saying that people that conclude that if we keep doing exactly the same things, we'll keep getting exactly the same outcomes are totally correct. I hope you found this podcast helpful and useful. And if you know someone who is suffering from anxiety or referring to what are called panic attacks, why not share this podcast with them? I'd be delighted to hear their feedback and your feedback after you've taken a few months to try out some of the things I've outlined. And I'll be very surprised if you don't have a positive experience. You've been listening to David Lilly. I'm the creator of the Thelcom formula and author of the book Ingredients for a Great Life. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, why not give me a positive review on iTunes and share it with other people? I'd be really personally grateful for this gesture. If you want to contact me personally, you can email me. Your emails will come directly through to me at my inbox, which is david at thelkum.com, T-H-E-L-K-H-U-M, david at thelkum.com. Whatever you're doing today, I wish you good health and peace of mind. Thanks again for listening.